0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, this morning we have a very wonderful woman of God to share the gospel. She changed my life years ago; <laughs> still changing me every day. But she's going to change your life today. But what she has to share, I met her at a prayer meeting. In 1980, and I married her in 1982 for the sake of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been preaching together for 37 years, ministering together for all these years. Lots of lives changed by what she has to say. She's the most powerful woman of God I know. And so let's give a hand for Mrs. Pastor. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. Alright. Hallelujah. Oh, I just love being in the house of the Lord and that's what I'm ministering on today. It's called, the title of the message is called God's House. And I'm going to be ministering for the next two, maybe three weeks about the local church. And we're going to learn a lot about God's house, about the local church. And we're going to get a new respect and a new perspective about what God has ordained, and that is the local church. Let's open up with prayer. Father, we just come before you this morning in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for this message that you've given to me. I thank you, Lord, for anointing me as I deliver it. And Father, I pray for you to anoint the ears and the eyes and the hearts of the congregation members today so that they can see something new about your precious house. And we give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name amen hallelujah well we already talked about our bible verse for the year and you know you really need to to um get to know that verse and get it deep within your heart yeah if you need an outline uh, for the message today raise your hand and the ushers will be more than happy to bless you with it so um as i was preparing this message yesterday I had everything written out, you know, and I had it all ready to go. And I said, Lord, what is your opinion of your house? You know, I wanted to hear, you know, I have all these scriptures I'm going to share with you from his word. And I said, well, Lord, what is your opinion about your house? And he gave me this little poem and I uh copied it off. And most of you have a copy of it. But I said, Lord, what do you say? What do you say about your house? And so he answers back to me and he says, my house. The local church is his house. So he says to me, my house, my house is a haven, a safe place, a refuge. My house is a port to dock from the dangers of the storm. My house is a fortress, a mighty fortress to rest therein in peace. My house is an armory where you come to replenish your supply. My house is a classroom of a wealth of victory talk. You know, when you come to High Desert Word Center, you get victory, 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 victory. Because we don't believe in any losing saints. Amen. You know, you may go to some churches and they, you may hear some old oh, woe is me stuff, but you're not going to hear that here. You're going to hear how to be an overcomer because we teach the word of God. You're going to learn how to receive healing like Brother Tim did back there. You're going to learn how to, you know, learn about the gifts of the Holy Ghost. You're going to learn all kinds of stuff. You're going to learn about your finances. You're going to learn that you don't have to be poor anymore. That it's God's will to bless you. Contrary to what they say, oh, you know, take a poverty vow. No, we're not taking any poverty vows. You can't bless somebody else if you're poor. Amen. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. So in this house, you will hear a talk of victory. Then he said, my house is a hospital where your wounds are healed. Wounds of the flesh, wounds of the soul, wounds of the spirit. My house is a place to shed your tears. And we've all shed tears in this place. But he also said, and my house is a place to dry your tears. And we've all done that as well. My house is a place filled with my presence. For in my presence... There is fullness of joy. My house is a place of love and acceptance, but also my house is a place of correction to free and keep you from your sins. You know, you go to some churches in these days and they don't talk about sin because they think everything's okay. But God said not everything is okay. And because God is so smart, smarter than us, he puts in his word. Things that are sinful to him. And it's up to us to, if we find out that some of that stuff's sinful to him, to stop doing it. As pastor talked about, First John 1, 9, you know, go to the Lord with it, repent of it. Repent doesn't mean you say you're sorry just because you got caught. Repent means you make a 180 degree turn. You go from sinville to holy living. Amen. Then he said my heart, my house is a treasury for where your treasure is there will your heart in me be also. My house is a place to comfort those around you. See it's not all about you. When you first come in here and you're hurt and you're a sinner and you're not saved yet and you're a mess, it's about you. But after a while, it's not all about you. You get fixed. And it's a time to comfort those who are around you, to cheer them up, to befriend and love them. Amen. My house is a place to love and forgive, not to throw stones. For your sins were great as well. See, people forget that. They forget what horrible sinners you were. You get saved, you get on the right track and you think you're holier than thou. And so you start throwing stones at those who are sinning. But the word of God says that love covers a multitude of sins. The word of God says you bring back that person, especially a believer. If a believer falls, you bring them back. Amen. You don't throw stones at them. You don't gossip about them. You don't say, hey, did you hear what happened to so-and-so at High Desert Word Center? You yeah, keep your mouth shut. Love covers a multitude of sins. If you're out there gossiping, you know what that says to me? Your love walk is super weak. If a brother or a sister falls, you're supposed to pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Love them. If the Lord leads you to talk to them, say, hey, man, come on, let's get back. Let's get back. Let's get back in the fold. My house is a place to restore such a one to help them stand in victory once again. That's the name of the game right there. My house is a place where I have placed my shepherd to tenderly love and nurture, to care for and feed you. Then he says, won't you come to my house? But even more is, won't you remain in my house? Won't you remain in my house? How many people have we seen over the years that have, uh you know, they come, they're a mess, they get fixed. Because they're fixed, they just book. They just book. Oh, I don't like it there anymore. They just book. That's so sad. That is so sad. Okay, hey, you know what, this is my Bible. Do you have one? Let me see it. Oh, yeah. Do you write in it? Oh, yeah. I don't know what I paid for this Bible, maybe 70 bucks, something like that, give or take. And I write in it. It's not too expensive for me to write in. I write in it all the time. Let's say something about our Bible. Say, this is my Bible. This is the Father God's word to me. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. And I can walk in victory all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. All right. Let's open up our Bibles to Psalms 122, verse 1. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for his word. Ah, oh, His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How about you? Amen. Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against Thee. That's all stuff out of Psalms, but that's not where we're going today. Psalms 122 verse 1 says this. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad. I was glad. Are you glad? Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? How glad are you? (laughs) Some folks are super glad to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Flip back to uh, Psalms 84 verse 10. Psalms 84, verse 10 says, for better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And, you know, Robert Valdez is our head usher. And we have little junior ushers that serve on Sunday night. If you've never been to a Sunday night service and seen our little junior ushers, then you ought to come. I tell you what, guest speakers that come in here are thrilled and amazed at our junior ushers. They take pictures of them. They do. They'll line them up in a row and they'll take pictures of them. They'll put them on their Facebook page. Look what they do at High Desert Word Center. Look at these little kids, you know. Hallelujah. But but uh, Robert Valdez teaches these young ushers the, the last part of this scripture that says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the, of the wicked You can ask one of them and they'll tell you that verse because it's that important to these these folks, these little people. Amen. Okay, so do you have a sincere love for God's house? Do you have a sincere love for God's house? What does God's house mean to you? You know, church was not man's idea. Man man was too stupid to establish church. So God did it. So God did it. God did it and God has a wonderful plan for his local church. Church does isn't just something to do when there is nothing else to do. Now, for too many people, I mean, there's a whole bunch of folks here I could list off today. You know, when I was preparing this sermon, I thought to myself, I wonder if they'll be here. I wonder if they'll be here. I wonder if they'll be here because they need to hear this message. And all the people that I kept wondering, I wonder if they'll be here. They're not here. But you're here. Amen. And maybe you can pass this on to others. Amen. So what is your attitude about God's house? What is your attitude about God's house? You're here this morning. That's awesome. Will you be here? Well, will you make here, baby tonight? How about Wednesday night? Will you be here next Sunday morning? What's your attitude about God's house? Amen. I'm going to tell you some stories How many of you ever watched Wagon Train? All you old people. (laughs) Yes. Good stuff. If You want to learn about American Western history, you need to watch these history shows. Okay, so on Wagon Train, the title of the thing will always be the so-and-so story. And it's somebody's name, you know, the Joe Smith story or the Eric Jones story or something. Well, I'm going to I'm going to do that today. I'm going to tell you the Debbie Rahman story. About how much this woman loved church. Debbie Rahman was in our church in Indiana. And she became pregnant with twins. And she was very, 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 very high risk. And the doctor didn't want her to go anywhere. He didn't want her to do anything. But just bed rest. But she loved church and she loved God. She wasn't supposed to drive either. Every Sunday her husband would drop her off at church and she had a little mat rolled up underneath her arm and she would come into church and she would lay her mat down on the floor and she would lay on the floor because she loved God's house. And she refused to not be in God's house. How many of us are willing to do that? How much? Hey, hey. That's kind of embarrassing. You know, you come into church with a rug, you lay it on the floor, and you lay there the whole service. People look at you like, what's her problem? No. She loved God. She loved God. And I just saw on Facebook, she's still serving God. I saw on Facebook this week that those twins just turned 18 years old this week. You remember that? You remember that? Whew. That brings me to tears because, man, great is her reward. She loves God's house. You know, what is our attitude about God's house? I'm going to tell you now the Janice Carter story. Janice Carter uh, grew up with an army sergeant and his name was Sergeant Carter. (laughs) How many of you ever saw? What was that show? Gomer Pyle, Sergeant Carter. Okay, you can relate. That's where I get my gruffness from, Dylan. It's from my, I just blew the whole story. It's about me. <laughs> this is about me, okay? But I changed it to when I was a little girl. This is the Janice Carter story. But ev- with my dad, every three years, because he was in the military, military guys, he wanted to move every three years. I hated that. You know, I was when I was a little kid, I thought, look at these other people that are normal. They, st- they grow up in the same town and live there their entire lives. But Dad, even after he retired in 1959, he wanted to move every three years. You know, I just wanted to be like other people, you know, just stay put. Um, He couldn't settle down. However, one thing that my dad would do when we would move to a new town was to find a church for the family. Now, he didn't go all the time. But he made sure that we did as kids. He would drop us off at Sunday school and pick us up later. And sometimes him and Mom would come. I mean, I can can see the churches now that he dropped. I can see the little church in Maine. I can see the church in Rhode Island. I can see the church in Indiana that he would pick out for us. And that's where the family went to church. But as a teenager, I would go every Sunday basically by myself because the rest of the family didn't go. I would go by myself. So how many of you have seen the big snowstorms in the Midwest this past week? Well, we had a big snowstorm in the Midwest back then when I was a teenager. And I wanted to go to church. But the roads were closed. But you know what Sergeant Carter did? He drove across the cornfields to get me to church. An hour or two later, he came back and he picked me up. That was my dad. So I had a love for God's house as a child. You know, your kids have a love for God's house. I was talking to a little girl one day about a year ago, and I said, hey, I said, hey, let's go to church. And she said, I don't like church. And I said, why don't you like church? She said, because I asked my mommy to take me. and My mommy won't take me. And I says, well, we're going to go today. And that little girl, she was so happy to be in God's house. You know, parents, do not rob your children of God. If you rob your children of God, you're possibly robbing them of eternity. Now, a while back, I did a message on hell. <laughs> never heard a message on hell. Never preached a message on hell, but I did a message on hell. It was very enlightening. You know that if you go to hell, you never see anybody ever again. It's just you and the devil and all his little demons. That's all. You know, when you go to heaven, you get to see your loved ones that went before you. You get to see other people. Isn't that wonderful? Well, when it comes to church and when it comes to your children, you need to get off your rusty dusty and get them into the house of God. Regularly. We taught our children, we don't have to go to church. We get to go to church. And they never, ever once said, do I have to go to church today? I don't want to go to church today. Well, you can stay home, little sugar. It'll be all right. No. That's not where it's at. Because the eternity of your children's salvation and your salvation is going to take you getting into the house of God all the time. They need to be in children's church. On Wednesday night is full-blown family night. We've got kids club Wednesday night. We've got nurseries, youth, all kinds of stuff. Your kids need to be in the house of God. You know, a lot of times... Children will find lifelong friends in the house of God. Now, I'm not saying that every kid that comes in here is perfect, but (laughs) we used to have some stinkers back in Indiana, didn't we? But anyway, they will be able to develop godly friendships if they're in the house of God. And that and that is what you want as well. Amen. So anyway, my dad drove me across that field. When I got baptized in the Holy Ghost back in 1976, give or take, during the charismatic renewal, many of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. But those of you who are around then, you know, that's when God poured out his Holy Spirit on the world. I mean, Catholics were getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. I was in a sitting in a Methodist church. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost sitting in a Methodist church. That's when the power of God came down. And just people just get baptized in the Holy Ghost, start speaking in other tongues, just in, like in the day of Pentecost. So where was I going with all of that? What did I start to say about that? It was I just get so caught up when I talk about that. Where was I going with that? What did I say? What? Loving God's house. Yes, yes, yes. I don't know where I was going with that. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that stuff for anything. You don't trade the things of God for the things of the world ever. Amen? If I, if I can think of the rest of that story, I'll, I'll tell it to you later. I don't know where I was going with it. Cause it's not in my notes, see? It's like going, when I go to the grocery store, if it's not on the list, it doesn't get purchased. <laughs> anyway, hallelujah. Okay. Oh, I know what I was going to tell you. When I got baptized in the Holy Ghost in 1976, I couldn't remember when I got, when I got saved, because it seemed like I loved God all my life. And I said, "Lord, when did I get saved?" And He showed me. He gave me a picture. When I was like three and a half years old, we lived in Carmel, Maine. My dad had taken us to church. Those of you who remember these old, old cars that were steel or something—they were real heavy. Didn't have car seats or seat belts or any of the above. But you could stand up in the back of them. They had a little rope, you know. And I remember standing in the back seat of my, my dad's car, hanging onto that rope, talking to him on the way back to our farmhouse. And the Holy Ghost showed me that that Sunday I got saved at that little Baptist church that my dad dropped us off to. See, God knows exactly when your name got written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Isn't that cool? He knows more about us than we know about ourselves. So, so that's awesome. I just wanted to share that with you. So we're talking about God's house. House. That's our subject. What do you do to make sure that you are in God's house every Sunday? What is your game plan? Amen. Now I'm going to tell you the Bernie Sample story. One time when we lived in Indiana, we had a horrible ice storm. I mean, it was bad. Have you ever seen pictures of ice storms? Have you ever seen ice hanging on trees? Have you ever seen ice hanging on power lines? You know, sometimes the power lines will break under the weight of it and the electricity goes out for a week or more. You know, we had a horrible ice storm. And it was 50 miles for us to get to church. This was before we were pastors. And and pastor especially, I helped him taught a class 50 miles away in Indianapolis called Intensive Care Healing School. We had a responsibility that day. Church started at 10. We left the house at 6 o'clock in the morning, and we drove 50 miles to Indianapolis on sheer ice because we had a responsibility in God's house. The ice storm didn't stop us. How much do you love God's house? I'm just asking. Now, I want to tell you the Samples family story. Again, in Indiana, one time we had a tornado went through our town. Not only did it go through our town, but for some reason it followed the river, It followed the White River, all the way from, like Martinsville, all the way up to Indianapolis, past Indianapolis, but it followed the river. So we had service that night at 6 o'clock. The, the bridge was like a mile down the hill, but we couldn't get across the bridge. So we decided we've got to be at church at 6 o'clock. So we took off up the highway. Every place that we could get across the river was closed. We drove all the way to Indianapolis, all the way across, all the way back up another highway to get to church. How important is God's house to you? Then I'm going to tell you about and some other group of people. I'm going to tell you about the Fort Irwin soldier people. Here's one over here, Corey on the front row. You know what? They drive a long ways to get here across that boring desert. But you know what? They do it. You remember uh the Woodhurst family? They were here almost every single service, and they drove back and forth from four to one. How long does it take you to get here? Forty-five minutes? What? Fifty minutes. Yeah. So how far away do you live? Five minutes? Hallelujah. So that's the foreigner and soldier story about people that have a love for God's house. doesn't matter how long it takes them to get there. They get here. Amen. You know, out of his great love for us, God established his church. Remember, I said it wasn't man's idea. It was God's idea. It's a God thing. I want to show you a couple examples of people who dwelt in the house of the Lord. Let's look at Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, let's look at verse 25 through 32. I'm in the New King James. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout. And You can stop and think about those words, just and devout. Just probably means holy, probably a holy guy. Devout, devoted, dedicated waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit wasn't in anybody yet. He would, he would just come upon people. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and, and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon had waited all these years because he knew that God was sending a Messiah. The Holy Ghost told him, you get yourself down to the church. You get yourself down to the church. Something cool is going to happen today. So down he went. He went to church and look what happened with him. That's amazing. That's awesome. You know, awesome things happen in church. Where's Diana? There's Diana. Raise your hand, Diana, for those that don't. This is Diana. You know, a month or so ago, she had a broken, what, foot, something? God healed her foot right in the service, miracle, right here in the house of God, right here in this very place. Amen. Tim talked about the miracle he received. Many of us have received miracles in this house. You know, you can't, you can't go to a big concert and expect that to happen. You know what I'm saying? What? Oh, Jesse Montenegro's not here today, but you know, Jesse Montenegro's full of bullet holes. I mean, you know, he was a gang guy. You ought know, to ask him his story someday. But he's still got bullet holes. But one day, he said to Pastor, he was playing on our softball team, he was playing softball. And he was, he, he said, Pastor, you just got to pray for me. He says, this bullet is just, it's really messing up my back. He's got six or so bullets in his, in his body. He said, this bullet's really messing up my back. I can't run as fast as I want to around the bases. So Pastor laid hands on him. So, you know, we, we went <laughs> we, we went to another ball game, and this was the men's league game. It's not the church game. Actually, the men's league games are a little more common than the church team league games, unfortunately. But anyway, it was at a men's league game. And here comes, we're sitting in the stands, and here comes Jesse Montenegro running around those bases. And he runs all the way around first, and he runs out of there, and he runs up, and, and he comes to us, and we're sitting in the stands. Guess what, Pastor? Guess what, Pastor? My back's healed. It doesn't hurt anymore. That bullet doesn't hurt anymore. Hallelujah. And he's just screaming and yelling, thanking Jesus. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to happen in the house. It could happen out there in the fields, you know, all these things that Jesus does. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, let's, let's look at somebody else that's in the house of the Lord. Look. Just flip the, look the page over there, Luke chapter two, bar, uh, starting in verse 36. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phenel of the tribe of Asher. She was a great age, old lady, and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. In other words, you know, back in those days, what you know, how old were the women when they got married, 14, 15, 16, seventeen, who knows? And she was married for seven years, and her husband died, verse 37. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. So I couldn't tell if she, from this reading, if she was 84 years old, or if she had been, or if she, you add 84 to however long she was married, she was either 84 or she was 100 and something. She was old. Who did not depart from the temple? She didn't leave the church. She served, She served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke to him, to all those who looked for redemption in Israel, because she happened to be in the church, too, when Mary and Joseph brought little baby Jesus in there to be dedicated to the Lord. So Anna was in the house of the Lord. Simeon was there of great age. Anna was there of great age. When you're of great age, are you going to be in the house of the Lord? Look at little Clarence. He's here. He's about 85, taking a nap, but that's okay. He's in the house of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. OK, there are some people you can always find in the same church whenever you visit there. So like when we go to the Holy Spirit conference in Vista, we see the same people greeting at the door that we've seen for the last 13, 14 years. Same people that go to live church. Still serving God, still attending there. Who can you see at High Desert Word Center when you come who is always here? Throw me a name. Yell at me. Who can you see when you come here? Who's always here? Robert. Robert's always here. Who else is always here? J-Jesse? Je- what? Jose and Heather are always here. Tom's always here. Pastor, Mrs. Pastor's always here. Yay! Amen. Who else is always here? Pam's always here. Hi, Pam. Donna Winston's always here. She's probably upstairs. Who else is always here? What? Lily and Maley are always here. Yeah. Dave McNeil's always here. You know, there's a lot of people that are always here. You expect to see them when you come here. What happens if they miss a Sunday? You notice? Uh-oh. Man, I miss them today. Doesn't your heart kind of sink? It goes clunk. Oh, no. They're not here today. I miss them. See, that's what people think about you. When you miss. So you don't think you're important. But by golly, you're important. You're super important. So let's think about the people at Life's Church. Do you think that all those people that we see when we go down there every year greeting same people? No, Pastor Johnson's stories. think they've ever heard Pastor Johnson's stories before. How many have you ever heard Pastor Sample's stories? You know, at Dr. Barclay's church, there's a whole lot of people that hear his stories, too. How many people at Pastor Johnson's church do you think hear him preach the same message over and over and over again? How about here? Pastor teaches on healing a lot. You know, we teach on this, that, and the other thing a lot. Maybe you've heard it before. So what? Yes, hear it again. How many of you like a steak dinner? Anybody like a steak dinner? Okay, what if you, you want one again sometime? Yes, you do. How many of you have a favorite place to go to get your steak dinner? Most of bingos is pretty good. You know, I go there. Maybe you always get a T-bone. They always season it the same way. So you go back and you get that steak dinner again, right? Or maybe you have a favorite way of cooking it at home. Maybe you guys cook them out on the grill. Maybe you do. There's something greater. I'm here today to proclaim that there's something greater than a steak dinner. And it's the word of God. Don't you think that's kind of a slap in God's face when you say, hey, I heard that one all along already, God, you know, come up with something different. (laughs) Pastor, don't make faces on the front row. (laughs) When you think about when you think about the church, the church is like a big family. Don't you think we're like one big happy family? Okay. well, you know what? There may be some sinners in here today that have never been born again, never asked Jesus into their lives. We've got newborn babies in here where we're, I'm relating this families to spiritual people. We got some toddlers in here that are just got born again and they're learning how to walk. They're learning how to walk that faith. Amen. You got you got people that are they're coming along pretty good. You know, kind of children's church age. They're coming along pretty good. They can quote you a couple Bible verses. If you get sick, they can lay hands on you and tell you, you know. Hey, if you're ever sick, have one of the kids from Children's Church lay hands on you. Hey, you're, you're, you're good. You're good to go after that. And then we have the teenagers. You know, there's different people that are at different levels of maturity within a local body. Just like if you have a big family, like that family has what, 19 some odd kids? You know? Lots of different ages. Let me tell you something that's wrong with the public school system. Another thing. Um... They're age segregated. Homeschool mom shaking her hand at me back there. They're age segregated. The sophomores don't know how to relate to the first graders because they're never around them. You know what I'm saying? But, if you, you know, if you have different people, if you realize that your group is not the only group, if you sophomores realize that you're not the only group, you know, we've got some sixth graders around here. We've got some two-year-olds around here. We're like one big happy family. So what happens when you get to be one of the older, mature ones? Guess what? It's not all about you at this point. It's about what you do for the others. You're the big brother. You're the big sister now. You're the one that's going around and helping out the others. Amen. Amen. How many of you read the same Bible verse a few times? How many of you ever read the 23rd Psalm a few times? (laughs) Like lots, hundreds. How many of you ever going to read the 23rd Psalm again? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Think about what you can do to help other people within the body. When you get to that point, when you're one of the mature ones. Don't get so fat-headed that you close your mind off. I've heard that before. I don't want to hear it again. You open up your Bible. You look at your Bible. And I promise you, you'll get something new out of it. Amen. Amen. Let's look at Matthew uh, chapter 9. Verse 35. We're talking about God's house today, right? Local church, God's house. Amen. Okay. Matthew 9. Let's look at verse 35. I'm in New King James again. As they went out. whoops, wrong. Verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages. And you know what he was doing? He was teaching in their synagogues, which is their churches. He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom and he was healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So what are the three things Jesus does? Teaches, preaches, and heals. Is he still doing the same thing today? Why, yeah. Okay. But when he saw the multitudes, Jesus was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. You know, Pastor touched on this last week. Sheep having no shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd, but God has ordained under shepherds, pastors of local churches. Amen. Look at Ephesians chapter four, and I'm not going to talk about the fivefold ministry today. Pastor kind of hit that the other day. But I do want to talk about this part of it. Ephesians chapter four. Verse 14 through 16. This is the reason why I'm not reading all of Ephesians four, as I said, but this is the reason why God established the local churches. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children. Time to grow up, huh? Tossed to and fro, bam, bam, and carried about with every wind of doctrine. You know, there's junk that floats out around the air. Biblical, spiritual doctrine that floats around the air. The devil starts it just to deceive people, to make people go shipwrecked. God doesn't want people tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. It says, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto Him. Grow up. Grow up. Grow up. Grow up. Who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by that which every joint supplies. So how many have an elbow? Let me see your elbow. Does it work? What if the elbow didn't show up today? I'm looking at Josh. Josh, you're an elbow today. What if if Josh the elbow didn't show up today? Didn't call, didn't let anybody know he's coming, wasn't coming. What a mess. Now, if Josh isn't here a lot of times, sometimes, like Sunday night FPU, Somebody else will, Josh, the elbow, will have somebody else be the elbow that day, like Katie Brady or somebody. To make sure that there's an elbow in the church that day. Get back to the verses here. That which every joint supplies. Came into church today and we were talking to uh, Robert, you know. He always comes and meets us and helps us carry our stuff in, head usher. He says to us on the way in. Pastor, I'm just a little finger in the house of God. I mean you just said this, Dusty didn't even know I was preaching on. Pastor, I'm just a little finger in the house of God. I said, Yeah, but Robert, what would we do without our little finger? You know, and he's to me he's more than just a little finger. Like he's almost the entire body. No. <laughs> but he's <laughs> Oh, there you are, Robert. I've been looking back there for you. You're over here. Hi, Robert. <laughs> Hallelujah, there's Robert. Okay. Every joint supplies according to the effective working. See, we're all supposed to work and move together like a machine by which every point part does its share. Say share. Share. Say it again. It's not a bad word. Say share. And you know what? It causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It causes increase when each part does its part. Amen. When everybody does its part. How many ushers do we have in here? Ushers stand up. Those ushers that we have. We're missing a couple of them. Where's Walter? Hi, Walter. I don't know where Cletus is at today. He's what? Out of town. That's good. Let's give these ushers a a hand clap. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate our ushers. Without our ushers, church wouldn't run smoothly like it does. And they're excellent, excellent people. Amen. So, anywhere, you know what? A, a, A believer without a church home, I just read you why we're supposed to have a church home. But a believer without a church home is scatterbrained. Yes. They're out to lunch. They're scatterbrained. They easily pick up false doctrine from every wind of of doctrine that comes along. They have nowhere to pay their tithe. So God can't rebuke the devourer for their sakes. They're at the mercy of the devil. And he has no mercy on anybody. Amen. Believers without a church have nowhere to serve to share their gifts and their talents. They rot on the vine. You know, we just bought this ranch out in Newberry. Has a huge pistachio orchard on it, which we're learning about. You're supposed to pick pistachios in August or September. They were still fully laden on that tree in November. So we picked some off of there, and they were rotten inside. They look nice on the outside still, but the nut inside was all rotten. All rotten. the the pistachio orchard's gifts and talents rotted on the vine. See, people are like that. People that, that are believers that don't have a church home, they don't have anywhere to be loved. Everybody needs love. But not only that, they have nowhere to love because everybody needs their love. Right? Amen. But then there are others who say to us, High Desert Word Center is my church home and pastor is my pastor. But we never see them. Never see them. Yeah. They can be gone for months at a time. And we think they're gone. And all of a sudden they'll show up. And you know, well, and first of all, we we'll say, we'll say, who is that? Well, Nudge, you said, who is that? You know, because it's like your computer, your your computer mind erases those faces that you don't see all the time. (laughs) So we'll nudge each other. Who is that? You know? Oh, that's so and so. Oh. And then we say amongst ourselves, the pastoral, pastoral staff, maybe they're getting it this time. Maybe they'll stay this time. Maybe, maybe, maybe they'll jump in this time. But sad to say, most people that have that habit, they never break it. We won't see them for months at a time. And then they show up. They're not productive. Don't turn here, but Mark chapter 4, verses 13 through 20, you can write this down, tells us what happens to people like this. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust for other things, entering and choke out the word. And make it unfruitful and unproductive. So they become unfruitful and unproductive believers in the house of our God. You know, like I, you know, we've been talking about this new place we have out in Newberry. It's like God dropped this place right out of heaven, you know. Plop. Just for us. Because God knows all the things that we like and all the beauty. The green and the water and all that stuff. Have you seen me at church? Have I been here? We put down our paintbrushes. We put down our boxes that we're unpacking. He puts down the irrigation hoses because when it's time to come to church, it's time to come to church. I'm not going to let that place out there become my God. You know, what is God in your life? If Jesus Christ is not God in your life and the things that he has established and ordained... Then you got problems. Amen. So you need to judge yourself about God's house. Judge your attitude. Are you AWOL all the time, absent without leave? Are you supposed to be serving in some position? You don't show up, you don't call anybody? We got department heads running around like crazy. Who can fill the, the spot? So and so's not here. They didn't show up, they didn't call. What did I do today that I traded? A day of my life for. Remember that scripture. One day in, in, in God's courts. Is better than a thousand elsewhere. Uh, what did I trade my day. What did I trade my Sunday church day. For. I'm not saying don't go on vacation. But I'm saying when you've got a habit. Of not being here because you've got something better to do. Than to be at God's house. And you want God to show up for you. I don't know. What is more important than God's house? We're going to wrap it up here. Look at uh, Matthew 25:23. It is very quiet in here. Anybody want to drop a pin so I can hear it? 25:23. This is what we want the Lord to say to us when we stand before him in heaven. Presuming we don't flake out between now and heaven time. (laughs) Well done, Jesus said, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. We want God, when we stand before him, when we stand before Jesus, for him to say, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of thy Lord. We don't want him to say, well, you're done. I put up with you all those years you were on earth. Well, you're done. You know, it's our choice what, we, what we're going to have him to say. Flip to Psalms 26, and I'm, I'm closing here. Psalms 20 or 23, what did I say? 26, t- Psalms 23. 23rd Psalm. Do your children know the 23rd Psalm? Just asking. My mama taught us kids the 23rd Psalm when we were little. How about the Lord's Prayer? Do your kids know the Lord's Prayer? Maybe you need to ask your children to teach you some verses that they learn in children's church here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Psalms 23, verse 6. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. How many days of my life? All the days of my life. And I will show up at church whenever I feel like it. I doesn't say that. We need to make a billboard and put it out on the highway. Which says... Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever. Say forever. You know, when you get to heaven, you're still going to be dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. All right. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.